Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Great news. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. Do you know that to be true? Yes, that's what I wanted to hear. Yes, cleanses you from all sin. It's a doctrinal truth. But do you embrace it? Do you accept it? See, it's not about you. It's about everything that he did for you. That's true with all Christian doctrine. You know that. The work has been done. And we'll look at this. So really, it's up to us to not only understand it, but to appropriate it, to accept it. That's Bible doctrine. What God did, we receive. And then we let God's Spirit work these things in and through us. That's the Christian faith. You're not an orphan. Your struggles and mine, if you will, most part, are self-inflicted. We live in a sinful world, and it affects us. It's hard not to get dirty if you're working in a mine. And that's the same thing with believers. We're, We're working in a mine, if you will. But the treasures are ours to discover. And really, that's one of the most fascinating things and the most blessed things that I, I have in being able to study the Word of God. Because there's treasures in there. But I'll be honest with you, too. If I apprehended everything that I understood, then I would be a lot godlier, more of a man than I am. See, that's the struggle. The struggle is daily to be able to appropriate these things. See, not just on Sunday morning, and that's where a lot of people really fall short because you wonder why your life is a struggle. And for the most part, it's because this is the feeding you get right here. Now, you know, if you've been here long enough, that I am not the authority on God's Word. I am not. It's God's Spirit. And if we don't take the time to read the Word of God, then what we're doing is we're limiting the Spirit's work in our lives. Oh, not that He won't finish it. It will be complete. Guaranteed. But see, for us, as we walk this earth, we can grow and we can understand these things and we can sense God's presence as we draw near to Him through these things. See, it is isn't our heart issue. That's what it is heart issue. And if you will, it comes to everything that we dedicate to as a God thing and what we dedicate it as my thing. And since we separate these two, so many of us, and and maybe it's limited in what we separate, but because we limit it, what we do is, again, we put ourselves on an island many times. And see, the struggles that we have in 
this world or in our flesh, they compound. Just because that simple truth of accepting what God has done and understanding that our lives now have been bought at a price, that our life is not ours. See, what we think as the high bar of success or not, uh, what we think we're achieving or not, is irrelevant because, again, we only have so much time on this earth. Life is really, if you will, not really ours. It was given to us. And Jesus said that if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. See, we, we live our lives trying to find contentment. We try to find love. We try to find acceptance. We try to find joy. And yet, if you read the Word of God, you'll understand that God has given you those things. And it's for us to appropriate them, accept them. But see, too many of us, we see it, it through our own eyes that, you know, I'm a failure, or I didn't achieve what I wanted to, or I am achieving what I think I need, and we're lacking. Instead of accepting the simple truth that God has given everything that we need pertaining to a godly I just heard an amen. Now, there's a doctrine that a lot of times we don't talk about. And before we go there, let's ask the Lord to give us wisdom, understanding, and help us to appropriate the truths that we're going to learn this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that we're about ready to hear and receive. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would teach us, minister to us, but help us, empower us to apply it in our lives. So, Father, we just pray as we come before you as a congregation, as a family in Christ, that you'd help us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a really, uh, honestly, a topic that's not typically talked about very much. It's the ascension of Christ. Now, I have to be honest with you, one of the things that I always dreamed about was flying. Now, I, I did fly with my dad in his plane, but it's not the same. It's remind me of a car in the sky, really. But to go somewhere and to just look out a vast canyon or something, and you just wonder what it would be like to fly, you know. And then that's because of that, man, ever since from the very beginning, has always tried to fly. And they're flying now. It's just like the big jumbo jets, you know. It's, you, I'm sure you've gone through this. And you're sitting there and you're wondering, with all these people in this heavy plane, it's amazing how this thing takes off and flies. Well, they discovered something too, right? That they're able to jump out of planes with this sheet over them and basically, if you will, like an umbrella, help them to float to the ground. And what a ride that is, but also how. Um, strategically that worked in military. But see, that's not enough. So then they came up with these little hang gliders, right? So that they can go like this and as they're going across and everything, being able to steer it. Remember in football games and stuff, you'd see them land on there and everybody cheers. Wonderful. But if that's not enough, what they've come up with now is those glide suits. Now this is insane. 
how they go through the canyons and stuff. Now, I heard recently with this guy that had probably the most experience in this, again, jumped off. And because of certain things that he did not calculate, he hit something and died. Why? Because, again, he's mortal. As much as we want to do these death-defying acts, the reality is, is when we hit the ground. Now, if you will, remember something. As much as we're talking about this, it's not something new. Probably from the very beginning, when Adam was naming the animals, he was noticing the birds. And he wondered what it would be like to fly. Is that really a stretch of the imagination? I doubt it. Why? Because mankind from the very beginning, has always imagined what it would be like to fly. Now imagine now the disciples coming. Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. And if you will, they're really hugging tight to him whenever he came around them, his presence. Feeling, you know, like orphans in some ways every time he left. And they said, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Now? Later? Two weeks from now? Jesus, it's not for you to know these things. And then the amazing thing is, he said, you need to be filled with my spirit. And go tell the world, if you will. Now, as they were standing there, if you can imagine this, as they're looking at him, all of a sudden, he just starts taking off into the sky. Now, they saw him walk on water. Did he fly? His own power. How they stood at it and stared as he ascended. Now, to talk about this, we have to understand that it was prophesied that he would do this. In Psalm 68, it says, You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Jesus spoke of it too. What then, he said, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, going home to my Father. In fact, that's what he says in the next chapter of John. Jesus said, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. <laughs> Can you imagine again them sitting there staring and watching him just take off? I would have been amazed. I would have been in bewilderment. But why? Why is that so important? Why is it important for us to understand these things? And why, if you will, even in the Apostles' Creed, it's in there. Where it speaks of Him ascending into heaven. Why? Have you ever thought why? Do you know why? See, it's important that you do. See, what He did, as the Apostles' Creed goes on to say, that he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's why he ascended. See, 
it reveals several things to us. One, his finished work on earth. In Hebrews it says that this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, declaring, it's done. There's nothing he can add. He needs to add to your salvation. You are forgiven. Let that sink into your head. Let it sink into your heart. The work is done. He's sitting now. The earthly ministry of the work that he did physically is done. Oh, not all the ministry. We'll check on that. But it also speaks of something else. That he's going to finish the work that he's going to do you See, again, Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, it's not so much just that you're forgiven, the blood washes you clean, but it's a guarantee of something. He's going to finish the work in you. that sink in. No half-baked people in heaven. No gooey. My wife, she makes this really nice, good chocolate thing. And it's good. And we just had it, I would say, last week. And she baked it. That's what she does. She bakes it. And it's supposed to have a little hard crust over it. And she brought it out. We were eating it. And, of course, me, a guy, I didn't notice anything different. But afterwards, when our guest left, she goes, nah, I should have cooked it longer. I'm like, huh? She goes, nah, it wasn't quite baked. It was good to me. But the point is, she's saying it's better when there's a crust part to it. Aren't you glad that the crust part is going to be complete? Oh, you'll still be gooey on the inside because God's doing that work that's going to be complete in you and you're going to be soft and pliable in that completion of that work. And forevermore you'll be gooey inside. Which means not half-baked but done right. Perfect. Should I say it again? What he's started, he completes. It's finished. What else does it reveal? It reveals his victory and his authority. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. What does that mean to you and me? He won. Not that he wins, he won. Now see, that's the other interesting thing. Because as he ascended in heaven... Again, you would see, okay, physically he goes up there, and then he goes in these clouds and disappears. Now, we could talk about the clouds, but it's not. Because, see, it was also a demonstration of something. It was a demonstration to all the powers on this earth. I'm God. I did it. It's done. Your time is limited. How do we know that? Because, just like it says in Ephesians, that according to Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air. That word air, that's the wonderful thought. It's an atmospheric region. 
picture this now. The Lord's going up. His disciples are down below. The demons are probably going, oh yeah, you go up there. They are all ours after this. And the Lord is going right through their realm. With his hands like this going, it's done. I go. My spirit comes back in you. Your time is near. See, we get in this fearful way around life, thinking that we're alone and we're not alone. That Christ completed the work and that his victory was demonstrated by ascending. But it also reveals his majesty who being in the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand, majesty on high. (coughs) He's sitting in majesty, because that's what He is. Majestic. So, what does that mean to us? That he ascended. Well, he's now the high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Do you understand that? You're his ministry. So am I. He's sitting there, the finished work on earth, and now what he's trying to do is he's trying to get to us, through us, for us to understand something. His work is complete, but the work that he wants to do in each of us is by his Spirit. And the scripture that I'm quoting from you, for you, is also says that though he was tempted in all points without sin, So then it goes on to say, therefore, let us come boldly before His grace. It is finished. It's done. I'm your high priest. I understand your weaknesses. Don't shy away from me. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Anytime. Every time. All time. But he's also our intercessor. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for you. Let me simplify this. He's always thinking of you, always thinking of me. Even when we blow it. He says to us, you know what to do, do it. Claim the grace, my blood that shed for you, washing all of your sins. Understand it, apply it, know it, walk in it. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, 
we have the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's for us. He's for you. Now, as a father, I would sometimes wait for my sons or daughter to make a mistake. Oh, not not that I would sit there and watch them like like a hawk. No, I just knew certain situations. I said I would say to my wife, I go, this isn't going to end well. So I'd wait for them to make the mistake, and then I would go and correct them. Why? Because I was going, <laughs> go ahead, make them. Oh, you're going to get it this time. Oh, I just want to love I just, uh. No. I wanted to correct him or her so they wouldn't make the same mistake. Same with us. See, his thoughts towards us are always good. His work in us is always perfect. His will for us. Let that sink in. He's also the head of the church. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things the church. He pours his Holy Spirit on his own. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Acts 2.33 He's also, listen, he's the forerunner. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus. What does that mean? Blaze the trail. He's made the way. You too and I shall go up once with Him. And as we see the things happening around us even more, that time's getting near. It's called the rapture of the church. Catching away. The saving of his own from the wrath to come. So when we see the things happening around us, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. When you see the, the world again going to pot, no, we're not going anywhere. God's got us here until that time says, he says, it's enough. He's not appointed us to his wrath. But he'll snatch us up. That as he went up, we will go up. He blazed the trail by the blood that he shed for us. He's also, if you will, preparing a place for us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. See, when they were standing there seeing him go up, the angels were around him going, what's wrong? Was the same Jesus you just saw go up coming back? Let that sink in, because see, sometimes we feel like we're orphans here. We don't really think that he sees us. We don't think he's coming back for us. And the reality and the truth is he's coming back for you. Where's the promise of his coming, as they say? As the scoffers will say towards the last time. 
Some of the church are even scoffing at themselves. When Christ is promised, He's coming back for us, preparing a place for us. Now, if you will, what I want to do in this last few minutes is look at Acts chapter 7 real quick. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. We're going to look at Stephen. Now, since time wouldn't permit me to do this, I'll just concise this really quickly. Stephen was a deacon, and he was confronted by some Pharisees, and he was speaking a history lesson to them, basically telling them of all the times that the people of Israel failed God. And he says in verse 51 of chapter 7, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of the angels and not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing, not sitting, at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him, ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stood, stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, why? Why would the Lord open up? Remember, Stephen's the first martyr. Jesus is standing, many believe, because he was receiving Stephen. It's interesting because there's, there's a law in hermeneutics. And it's basically this, the law of first mention. And you'll notice this throughout Scripture, and I'm not going to go too detailed, but just think with me. When those that lied to the Holy Spirit, what happened to them? They fell over and died. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, do you fall down and die? See, what it was is saying how holy God is and reverence for the things of Him. Now, the same thing can be said about Stephen here. Stephen was the first martyr. So again, what God was saying to us is like, I see it. I stand for you. When you're persecuted, they're not persecuting you, they're persecuting me. Now, what this does for us as believers is it does a few things. The first thing I want you to take note of is it encourages us. God is standing there on our side. And, if you will, as Paul says in Romans, oh, by the way, the the clothes that were laid at Saul's feet, that was Paul's. Paul was there. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's you and me. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let that sink in. That's Romans chapter 8. Who can separate you from the love of God? Christ has conquered all. You and I are more than conquerors. Stephen understood his life was in God's hands. Not his own. That God was seeing him through even that, if you will, disgusting hard time. Now the other thing it does is it encourages us for a boldness. And we already understand this. The boldness to come before him. Why? Because he's given you the right to become children of God. And in that right, you have access to him. That just as we talked about, when we struggle, when we understand, when we have the conviction... When we're failing, when we're struggling, when we're being persecuted, when things happen in our lives of losing jobs, sickness, and tragically death, that each of us have, again, access to come boldly before the throne. Heaven is open. Jesus says, come on in. Talk to me. I'm listening. But are you using your mouth, your mind, to think and talk to me? Do you still see things through your own eyes? Stephen could have said, hey, what's up with this Lord? As he sees him in heaven. I thought, hey, I just, I was starting to move up in the church. I'm a deacon. Here I'm now. I'm discussing these things with Pharisees. Why do I have to leave so early? But he didn't do that. Why? Because he understood that his life was in God's hands. And the greater reward was with him. Not on this earth. This is the minefield. This is the rock quarry. This isn't our home. But Stephen understood he conquered. The Lord did. Victory was the Lord's. So victory was his. Time is irrelevant because in eternity, what is actually 70 years? 80 years, 40 years, 12 years. See, when we get to heaven, we're going to realize something. The time, really, on this earth is irrelevant. Because it's not the length of your days. It's your heavenly reward. This isn't your home. You'll go home someday. See, it also gives us something else. It's the understanding that we know and believe the love that God has for us. And God is love. 
He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been, been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, First John 4, 16-18 says. What is he saying? Since God loves us, let that permeate, sink in, all of us. You're loved. It's not about your performance. It's about who He is, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will complete. It's all on God. He loves us. He loved us before there was anything good in us, because there was no good in us. He demonstrated His love that in that why we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5. Let it sink down. Your love. You know, if we could really grasp this, every one of us, you're loved completely. You know how you are as parents? You love your kids. But sometimes, sometimes, you don't love them as much. Or I should say, like them as much. Now, it's true we can quench and grieve God's Spirit, but we can never, ever, ever stop. The love that God has for us. Let it drip down into your mind and fall into your heart. You are loved. And it's not based on your performance. It's based on who He is. And God is love. And so we have boldness to come before Him. Why? Because of His grace, His mercy, and His love. You are loved. See, we let too many times, we all do, our feelings get in the way, how I feel about myself, instead of allowing the truth, God's love, to just permeate our being. What else do we find? God gives us, just like Stephen, a heaven perspective. If then you were raised with Christ, Colossians 3, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting, at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. If you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. What do we do in our lives on a day-to-day basis to set our minds on home? I don't know about you, but I'll be quite honest with you. I find I fail the most is when I'm not saturating my mind with these truths. When I allow the world to manipulate me. How much of the world are we letting in? You don't think it affects you, it affects everyone. And this world and our society has become more and more decadent. How much of the world are you letting in, and how much of God are you letting saturate your mind, your thoughts, your desires? Chew on that. Think it through. Now, I want the mind-boggling one. 
Here's the mind-boggling thing. If you haven't grasped yet what it means to set your mind on heaven, listen to this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus. That's not future. That's now. Positionally, you are already there with Him. What does that mean? It means one of person. You made it. Okay, good. Yeah. But see, there's something here that's a power that we just cannot really wrap our minds in. You know what it is? He's given you the access and the authority of heaven. And before you start commanding things that start falling from the sky or whatever, understand what that means. Who are you sitting with? All it means is you have access to the commander-in-chief to listen to his orders and you have the authority and power to carry them out. Do you understand that? Every one of us. We have access to the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. And we have His listening ear, but also we should have our listening ears. What do you command of me this day, my Lord? And to understand that what He commands you to do, He gives you the power and the authority in His name. Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and it shall be given to you. What does that mean? Again, hearing me, what I tell you to do, guiding you in your prayers, you continue doing that. I've given you authority in my name. Now, that's what it all comes boils down to. See, because of His name, because of His work, because of His ministry, because of His truth, we are all born into His kingdom as His children, given now the signet ring that He offers to us according to His authority and power. So again, this doesn't mean we go around stomping on the devil or anything like that, like some churches say. But what it does mean is when God gives you the authority and power to do something, do it, even if you're afraid. So he'll come alongside you. He'll empower you. And remember, this is where we get hung up. We think failure is success. Failure is success. I really feel the Lord leading me to witness to this person. So then we witness to the person, and it seems like it falls flat on its head. It's like, gosh, Lord, I thought you told me to witness this person. This person, like, kicked me out of their house. I feel dumb. But what you don't know is what God has put in motion. You don't know what that did to the person inside. God does. So, see, it's not using our eyes to see in the sense of this physical realm. It just means a heart of obedience. And some of us, 
struggle every day with just our own self-worth. Our own purpose. Why? Because again, we see it through earthly eyes. We need Stephen's eyes. We need Paul's eyes. We need to gaze up into heaven and say, Lord, what do you require or desire for your servant to do today? Now give me the faith to carry it out. And I trust you that even if they stone me, because remember, I'm sure Stephen was that way. Lord, I'll talk to these guys, but you'll have to give me the words to say. Why? Because anybody that speaks for the Lord says that. Lord, give me the words to say, because I don't know what I'm going to do here. And then it came out. And then what happened? Was there applause? Way to go, Stephen. Wow, Stephen, we're convicted. No, they took him out and stoned him. But he's obedient. And he had the vision of heaven. Now, really, if you will, again, doctrine, again, is something that's important. And I'm assuming, Caleb, am I right? We got that on the screen? We can do this? Okay. Again, it's affirming truths. And sometimes what we need to do is speak those out loud. And again, don't get mystical about this, but it's the truth about hearing things that you comprehend. And see, as I get older, I have to read out loud sometimes for my mind to focus. Okay, focus, focus, listen. Because I don't know about you, because a lot of times when I read by myself and I'm just reading in my mind, all of a sudden I'm reading this sentence, but I'm thinking about, let's say, Florida. You know, at the beach, like for some reason I'm thinking of a beach right now as I'm reading this. I'm going, what am I reading? Florida and a beach? Is that in the Bible? That's not in the Bible, so I'm going to have to go back. So sometimes I read it loud. Again, hearing of the Word of God builds up the faith, that Scripture says, Romans 10, 17. With me? So what we're going to do is we're going to read the Apostles' Creed together. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, just thank you for this morning. I thank you for these truths. And I pray for each of us, myself included, Lord, that we'd apprehend these truths, that we would let it saturate our minds, that we would let it sink into our hearts. How much you love us, what you've done for us, what you're doing for us, and what you're going to do. We're all going home. Oh, it's in your timing and it's your purpose, Lord. But in the meantime, You call us to be filled with your Spirit, to be agents of yours, ambassadors, to be sensitive not to just our failings, because that's what we get hooked and hung on, Lord, is ourselves. A prayer for each of us this morning is that we start getting our eyes set upon you, for you are victorious. And the victory that you have won, you desire to do in and through each of us. Lord, you know this week, you know how we fail. You know how we struggle. You know how we allow the world to to empower itself against us. How the enemy uses it to empower against us. But Lord, just as you made a mockery of all the powers in the air as you flew through it, Lord, you also make a mockery of that same thing in and through us. Help us to understand this, accept this, and receive this. And it's in Jesus' name, knowing each of us that this is your will that you hear us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, if you would, let's stand. Let's read this together.
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 